Welcome to the Prairie Heights Podcast. Thanks for listening today. I hope it motivates you. I hope it builds your faith and helps you connect with Christ and a church family here at Prairie Heights. Enjoy the message. Hey, Prairie Heighters! It is good to be together today. If today is your very first time, I want to give you a special welcome. If you came today and you're a first responder, I wanna say welcome and I wanna say thank you. Thank you. If that's you today, I pray that you get to just be, okay? Today you get to be and you get to be human and I know I can't imagine the depths of pain and hurt that you're feeling. We're gonna talk about that today. Uh, So if you're new, my name is Beth, and I get to serve as our lead pastor. And if you've been around Prairie Heights for a while, I've missed you. Like, I have so missed you. I've uh, gotten a chance to have a few weeks where I've had time with family, I had time of rest to fill up, and also had a chance to do a leadership experience two weeks ago, and I'll share a little bit more about that later on today. Um, But during our family vacation, one of the things that we got to do was we got to go to the North Shore, and if you're not familiar with the area, it's in Minnesota, it's north of Duluth, up towards Grand Marais area, and it's absolutely beautiful. If you haven't, highly encourage you to go if you haven't been It's so beautiful and there's waterfalls and there's hiking and there's so much opportunity just to appreciate nature and God's creation. And our family, my husband Kyle and I and our eight-year-old Ian and our three-and-a-half-year-old Isabel went and we met his brother and my sister-in-law and their kids. And so kids, our kids had their cousins there and we were on day like I think it was like day 12 of vacation time away from our home where we're sleeping in different beds. And like, if you have young kids, you know, like we're getting close to like, this ain't gonna work anymore. (laughs) Being out of routine and staying up late and and we're about ready to crash. And so this is the last hike uh, before we head back home. And it's in the morning and I text my sister-in-law and I say, hey, let's just do a little one. Like, I think that's probably all our family has. Maybe a half a mile, let's see a waterfall, call it a day, and we're gonna get on the road. Well, we gather, and we're getting ready to go on the hike, and so we didn't prepare too much. You know, we didn't bring our backpack with our waters or anything, and and we start going on the hike, and we see a waterfall, and it's beautiful, and we keep going, and and sure enough, our eight-year-old Ian, he he gets like this energy and this excitement. He's like, let's go to Lookout Mountain. And I was like, I don't know, what do you, what do you all think? Are, are we all in on, on the group of us, five kids, four adults, can, can we start this hike? And they're like, well, how far is it? I'm like, ah, I think it's like a mile and a half. And the last part's pretty steep, but we've done it before and, and we could probably do that again. And so we decide to go and we start going on this hike. And, and as we're going, um, the, my son Ian and the cousins are ahead. It's all the way up middle schooler to three and a half year old. And so the, the older kids are running far ahead. Us adults are in the middle. And then my husband Kyle and Isabel are way trailing in the back. And he's got her looking for diamonds to like keep her engaged on the hike. <laughs> 
And so they're imagining these diamonds and she's like, we didn't find any. I'm like, that's so weird. <laughs> and so they're going and, and, and there comes a point where we're, we're a good mile in and we all gather and there's a sign and it says, look out mountain this way. It's one of those points where it's like you could easily turn back and everybody could go back on the trail and it says, look out mountain that way, <clears throat> but it doesn't say how far. So the kids stop, the adults catch up, and then Kyle and Izzy catch up. <laughs> and we're huddled there and we say, okay, do we really wanna go up to Lookout Mountain? And, and they're like, well, you better double check, like how far is it? And I pull up the app and I go on the trail, I'm like, ugh. Did I, did I tell you guys like a mile and a half? Is that what I said when we started? And they're all like, yes. And I said, it's like 3.4 miles. And I mean, we're a good ways in. We're not halfway yet. And the rest of the hike is moderate and it's pretty steep. And I said, so what do you guys think? Do you wanna keep going? <laughs> and they all, we all talk about it and they say, yeah, let's keep going. So we kept going and we went up the, the steep hike and we got to Lookout Mountain and we looked out and it was just beautiful. It was beautiful and it was so worth it, so worth it. And here's why I share that story is because we've been in a series called Family Vacation season three. This is our finale season. This is it. This series is going to bed after this. And today is our last week. And we've been talking about in this family vacation series how to find wholeness in Jesus. How to find wholeness in Jesus. And the picture of that wholeness is like complete freedom. And it's like living just fully alive and whole and secure in your walk with Jesus. And out of that security, it influences your family. And I think about the hike that we went on as a family. And I think about our journey with Jesus and I think they connect really well. Because when we get started in our walk with Jesus, we think it's like a mile walk, a mile hike. And there's something in us, I think, or maybe it's just me as a, I've decided to be a follower of Jesus and, and there's something in me that just wishes one day I would arrive and I would get there, even though I know I never will. <laughs> I know that there are gonna be seasons in my walk with Jesus that it's gonna be an uphill climb and then I'm gonna get to the top of whatever that is and I'm gonna get to celebrate with God. And the mountaintop highs of our life are meant to be celebrations with God. And I also know that there's gonna be deep valleys in my walk with God and in your walk with God. And God meets us in those deep valleys. And so just like a hike, there's similarity to our walk with Jesus that we're always on the journey to find wholeness. And it's not an easy road. I feel incredibly thankful to be surrounded by uh, great people and leaders in my life. And one of those is for sure my husband, Kyle, and then a couple I wanna mention who you've seen lately in our family vacation series are Doug Peters, our executive director, and Cody White, our spiritual growth pastor, who have been sharing about what it looks like to build a foundation of trust in our families. And Cody last week talked about what does it look like when, when you have faith to bring your family along on the journey? But I think there's a question that we haven't answered yet in this series. I think there's a question that we haven't yet responded to. And that question is, 
What do you do with all the hurt? What do you do, what do I do with all the hurt that's been caused? All the hurt that maybe I've done or you've done? What do I do with all the hurt that's happened, that I've endured? You know that time when I was lied to? When I allowed my anger to just overflow and explode on the people that I love? When I kept that secret and kept it all alone? And how later on down the road, it, it didn't end well for me or my family? What do I do with all that hurt? And then if the hurt and the pain and the disappointment of life and relationships isn't enough, we, we kind of layer on the loss of relationships, right? We layer on in our life, we sometimes lose family relationships for a season or a time or for a very long time or you're in a spot today where a relationship in your family is severed because of things that were done or things that were said. We experience the loss of life of a family member or very recently a community member and servant. And I wanna talk uh, briefly about two specific people and of course of the events of our city. The first one I do wanna recognize over the last several weeks we've lost um, Mark Knutson, who was a leader in physical health for our community as he brought the Fargo Marathon and, and watched that grow over the years. And out of a tragic accident, he's no longer with us. And then we uh, mourn the death of Officer Jake Walleen, a 23-year-old who was still in training. Ugh. I mean, it doesn't matter the circumstance given the event of the evil that took place in our community, right? But the reality is this is a 23-year-old who was the first, the first to get shot and the one who lost his life. And we have other officers and we have other community members that were right there. We have other first responders that watched and experienced what happened and there's deep sadness and deep grief and deep anger, right? Like it's okay if you feel angry about what happened. There's deep sadness of that kind of loss from evil that happened in our community right here. There's a loss that we feel of even safety, right? When we learn more details of what happened and what might have happened. And so what do we do with all that pain? What do we do with all the hurt? What do we do with all the disappointment in our life? And that can be family relationships, that can be friendships, that can be in our community. But the question is like, what do we do with all that? And, and I don't know, I've, I, I've talked to a lot of people over a lot of years, I have my own journey. And I think what so often happens is we put it in a box and this box represents like the compartment in our own soul even, or the compartment in our life that we just say, I'm gonna put all the pain and disappointment and hurt in this box. So maybe for you, uh, this represents our childhood. And maybe for you, there's some childhood hurts 
that you've been carrying with you that you've been putting in a box. And maybe this represents like the fun times and the fun memories you have with brothers and sisters or moms and dads or cousins where you were playing video games. Mine is like the regular Nintendo, you know, like the good one, like the original. I'm kidding. I, don't, I, I just don't play the, the new and improved ones. But this represents childhood hurt and pain. And what happens is we, we don't know what to do with it, so we just put it in the box. And this next one, it represents the things that, you know, maybe have been said to us over all the years. The unforgiveness that's sitting with family members or relationships because of the things that you said or the things that they said to you. And that unforgiveness is just, it's sitting there and everybody can feel it, but you don't know what to do with it, so you just put it in a box. You just put it in a box. This represents that fight that you had. Now, hopefully you didn't wear one of these. That'd be really weird. But this represents the fight that you had that, you know, uh, Maybe it was okay years ago that one of you is Republican and the other one is Democrat, but then 2020 happened and it broke out in a huge fight and you can't even talk to your family anymore just because of that. And you don't know what to do with it. Because if you really think about it, it's like I still love the person, I just might disagree with their views. But you don't know what to do about that fight that happened in your family. Or maybe there's a lot of you that you've spent so much time and energy and effort and money, you know, supporting this group and they just keep letting you down over and over and over again. <laughs> and it just hurts. It's so disappointing and you don't know what to do with it. And it's like you just hang on for dear life. They're gonna win one year. Good luck, keep trying. So you just put it in the box. And then this one hurts. This box represents what you thought a relationship was gonna be. It represents the commitment and the love, the lifelong love that you thought you were gonna have. And maybe that relationship ended in separation, it ended in divorce, and this represents the emptiness and the loss of that. And now for sure, good things can come. If that's your story, like that's okay, good things can come from that, but there's still loss and grief. And so this represents what you thought it was gonna be, what you thought a relationship was gonna be and it isn't and it feels like a deep loss. And you don't know what to do with all the pain and so you just put it in the box and then, and then you just decide, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a lid on it, I'm gonna tape it up real tight and I'm just gonna leave it here. And you just go on with your life. But the problem is that as you go on with your life, one by one, the pain just starts to like leak out, right? And it, and it leaks out every once in a while. Some of that pain looks like angry outbursts or lack of self-control and discipline or impulsiveness or risky behavior that numbs the pain for just a little bit. 
but you, you feel like you need the risky behavior because the pain is so deep and you've left it in the box for so long that you just feel like you need to feel something or not feel anything to be okay. And so it begins to leak out. And the problem with the leaking out is that all of a sudden you might ask yourself like, why am I saying what I'm saying or doing what I'm doing? And why do I not feel full? And why do I not feel alive on the inside and whole on the inside? And, and you realize that all this pain that you've experienced in your life is just like flowing out of you. But then when you think about it and you think about all the pain and hurt and disappointment that's been in the box and you start to see it all here, there's like this fear that comes up. I'm like, what, how do I address all this? How do I take a good look at all this pain and, and leaving it in the box or letting it spread all over the place makes us believe that it has some kind of power on us, that the pain has some kind of power on us. But here's what we often forget is that you must deal with your pain or your pain will deal with you. You must deal with your pain or your pain will deal with you. I have learned this lesson before. I truly have. And I also want to admit that quite possibly I learned it no more clearly than I did two weeks ago when I went through an experience um, an, it was called Ultimate Leadership Experience. And it was with Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. And these two individuals are both New York Times best-selling authors. They're leadership experts. They're psychologists. I, I was so fortunate to be in a room of under 50 people and we learned from them and gained, school, uh, gained different skills. And of course, as they were doing role-playing, who volunteered? I did. I was like, of course I'll get to the front of the room and do a role play. And it was so helpful, you know, like it was more than just fun, it was really helpful. And here's what happened for me, and, and I'm sure throughout the weeks I'll share more about it, but um, I got to be part of a group of seven individuals who have really impacted my life, who on Monday were strangers, and Friday uh, I'd do anything for any of them, and I think they'd do anything for me. And I got to put into practice what I was learning. It was hard, it was challenging, it was super emotional, and it was life-changing. And I can come today feeling secure, and I can tell you uh, confidently and without, unashamedly, I can tell you um, I've lost a lot in my life. I've lost a lot in my life. I've lost friendships. I've lost family members to death. My husband Kyle and I lost a child to miscarriage in between our two children. Um, I've lost uh, other people for other reasons. I've lost people who have left Prairie Heights. And there are times that that story goes really well and we remain friends and there are times that it was really hard and really messy. And so I've lost some friendships through this and over time, here's what I've learned how to do is how to put it in the box and tighten it up real tight and keep it in the box. And I'm sure I did that for a lot of reasons and one of them being, and I don't know if you can relate, but I just didn't know what to do with it. 
I didn't know what to do with all the pain and all the hurt and all the disappointment. And so I just kept plugging along. And I felt like I had to keep it together for my family. I felt like I had to keep it together for our team. I felt like I had to keep it together for our church. And I'll let you in on a little secret. Keeping together isn't a real great strategy for living a healthy life. And so if today you come as someone who's like, I'm just keeping it together. I just wanna let you know that's not a great strategy to live a healthy life and a whole life. And so let's look to God's word and scripture to help us answer the question, how does God teach us to deal with our pain? Because it's something we must do. And so I'm gonna share three ways that you and I can deal with our pain. And at the end, we're gonna receive communion. And I pray that that's a time where you can find some comfort and you can find some healing in your pain. And so the first area of pain that we're gonna talk about is when you lose someone. And that could be you lose someone due to death or you just lose someone who you aren't connected to anymore in your life. And we're gonna go to John chapter 16. That's one of the gospels in the New Testament. And and Jesus was spending time with his disciples who are his closest friends. And so they're like really tight. And he's trying to explain to them. He's like letting them know, hey, I'm not always gonna be here, but they don't get it. And so in verse 20, here's what Jesus is telling his friends. He's saying, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. See, in this uh, context, what he's saying is that there are people that are gonna arrest Jesus, they're gonna beat him, and they're gonna crucify him on a cross. And those people are gonna rejoice at his death. That's what they want. They want Jesus dead. And they're gonna rejoice at that. And he's letting his closest friends know. He's like, you will weep and you will mourn while the world rejoices. And he goes on to say, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Verse 21 states, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. As a woman who has given birth to two children, I can tell you that scripture is true. Going into labor is a painful process. It is not free from any kind of physical pain, but the moment you see that baby's face, all that pain goes away. You wanna know why? Because it's new life. Because it's new life. And right here in the book of John, Jesus is reminding us that when we grieve and when we mourn and when we weep, the pain and the hurt and the disappointment, the other side of that is joy. The other side of that is new life. And in verse 22, it says, so with you now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And so how does God teach us to deal with our pain? Number one, willingly grieve it. He's giving his friends permission to grieve the pain that they're gonna feel. Because to them, Jesus is their Lord. He's their savior. He's their Messiah and he's their best friend. And so what does it look like for you to cry? 
What does it look like for you to feel the pain and anguish of what the recent events in our city have come to? What does it look like for you to feel and cry about the pain of your childhood? Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend, they said in their book, they wrote many, many books together. One of them is How People Grow, and they said this, the soul is designed to finish things. It is designed to grieve. Just as a computer is programmed to run a particular path, so our soul is designed to go down the path of grief. Be sad, and your heart can be made happy. Cry it out, and it will get out. It will be over. See, when we take our pain and our disappointment and our hurt, and we wanna get to the other side of, of joy and fulfillment, the path to that is grief. Crying it out and letting it out, grieving the pain, brings us to a place of more freedom. I hear a lot of people say, you know, after a, a deep loss, I hear a lot of people say like, I'm just gonna get busy. I'm just gonna get busy. I just am gonna stay busy. And I say this with a lot of grace, because I know I've done it before too. I just wanna remind us that that's probably a red flag because what you're really saying is, if I sit down long enough, I'm gonna feel it and I don't know what to do with how I feel. And so I just wanna say, it's okay to sit in the pain. It's okay to sit in the heaviness of the loss that you might feel. You don't have to busy yourself out of that because grieving is a way to move towards healing, towards a new beginning and to give space for new things in your life. The next pain point in our life is when we cause hurt to others. What do we do about the pain we've caused in our own life and other people's lives? We're gonna go to the book of John, it's in the, or the book of James, and it's in the New Testament, and James was the brother of Jesus. And I, I love sharing this anytime we go to the book of James. James didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he was until after Jesus died and rose again. And then he believed. <laughs> And then he wrote a book that we can learn from today. And in James 4, 6 through 10, he says this, but he gives us more grace. Who's he talking about? He's talking about God. He says, this is, that is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. What is James talking about? A few verses earlier, there was some relationships and people who were uh, grappling with one another and they were fighting with each other and there was jealousy and there was anger and there was envy and there was pride. And James is saying, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And here's what he tells you to do with it. How do you heal? How does God teach us how to heal our pain? In verse seven, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Sometimes in our sin, sometimes when we hurt ourselves and we hurt others, we think that, that, that um, God doesn't love us anymore and that couldn't be further from the truth, but that thought leads us away from God 
instead of when we sin to draw near to God. And James is reminding us, when you sin, go near to God. And when you go near to God, he's gonna come near to you. He's saying, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. So the second way that God teaches us to deal with our pain is to humbly go to God with your sin. Humbly go to God with your sin. Bring it to him. He can hold it. He can carry it. He can love you through it. He will forgive you if you ask him. In some circumstances, you need, to forgive, you need to ask for forgiveness from someone else for the hurt that you've potentially caused. So the last area of pain is all the hurt and disappointment in life. So what do you do about all the rest of it, all the rest of the hurt and the pain in life? We read in Hebrews 4, it's 14 through 16, we read this, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. I want to sit here for a second. He's saying, Jesus can empathize with us because Jesus felt what we feel. Jesus felt pain. Jesus was hurt. Jesus was betrayed. Can you imagine what it felt like when one of his closest friends betrayed him? Can you imagine what it felt like when he asked his closest friends, hey, will you pray for a little bit? And this is like the one time that he needed them to like carry the spiritual burden while he went off to pray as well. And he said, will you pray for me? And then he comes back and they're sleeping. Can you imagine the disappointment? Can you imagine how much it hurt when Jesus was arrested and he was abused physically and he was abused mentally and emotionally in his last days? Can you imagine the pain that he felt? He can empathize with our pain. God loved us so much that he sent his earth to be fully human and fully God. And here's the fully God part. It says, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Jesus was tempted to sin in every way, yet he did not sin. That's how we know he was God. One of the ways. In verse 16, it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So the third way God teaches us to deal with our pain is to confidently seek grace from God. Confidently seek grace from God. Believe that it's available for you. What is grace? Grace is freely given to us by God. Grace, we don't deserve it. Means we don't deserve it, but we get it anyway. It's undeserved favor. And what you can do with the pain in your life is you can ask God, will you please meet me in my pain? Will you pour favor on me and my family in this circumstance? Will you help me in this? You can confidently seek grace from God. And so I was telling you earlier 
about uh, being away at the leadership experience, and that was in California. And I was gone Sunday through Friday, and that's the longest I've been away from my kids and my husband at one time. And so I was very eager on Friday to get home. And so I get up and we have a session in the morning on Friday and then my flight's supposed to leave at 4 p.m. from California and I'm supposed to get into my final destination of Fargo, Hector International Airport at about midnight on Friday. So midnight, uh, 12.01 would have been Saturday, but on Friday night late. And that was the plan until I got a text message from the airline saying your first leg of your flight from California to Denver is gonna be delayed by 50 minutes. And I thought, oh crap, because that just means I'm gonna miss my connecting flight. Unless my connecting flight is also delayed, then I have a chance. So I start doing what I'm sure you've all done if, if you've been in my predicament and you ca- start calling the airline and you get an automated voice and it gives you the option to say, Would you like to be in the virtual waiting line and we will call you back? And I'm thinking, I don't trust you. I don't trust you, you're not gonna call me back, I can't see the waiting line. But I've been on the phone for 45 minutes, so I press the button and say, okay. And I also get online and I get on the chat and I'm trying to figure out who can I talk to because they say, go to the website, and you go to the website, and, you, and they don't realize that I'm gonna miss my connecting flight, which means I'm gonna miss getting home to my final destination in Fargo. Finally, after three hours, I get in, in touch with the airline, and they say, gosh, I'm sorry, it looks like we probably can't get you into Fargo until Sunday or maybe Monday. What? Not happening. Okay, what are our other options? And so they say, well, plan B, if you miss your connecting flight, if you get to Denver, even on your delayed first leg of your trip, if you miss your connecting flight, I'll put you on plan B where you can go to Devil's Lake on Saturday morning, which will also get you then to Jamestown. And, you're, and I said, yes, and my family can come pick me up in Jamestown. Fine, I will say yes to that. Great, let's do it. I get on the plane and we get to Denver and it's Friday night and it's about 9.30, 10 p.m. when I get off my first flight on Friday. I get to the Denver airport, I land, miss my connecting flight. So then, I had been in contact with friends who live in Denver, but I had told them, you know what, like, uh, it's too late and I have to be at the airport too early, I don't wanna bug you guys, so I don't need a place to stay, United will help me with a hotel room. I get out and I see, I just said the airline, I'm so sorry, now that's online, I should have never said that. Okay, the airline that I was on, pretend you didn't hear that. Uh, Okay, so then uh, the airline that I was on, there was a customer service line of like 150 people, I'm not exaggerating. I go up to the front and I ask the guy, I said, how long have you been in line? And he said, two hours. And I look behind him and there's 50 people, 100 people behind him. I'm like, forget it. I'm not standing in that line. I might as well stay overnight at the airport. So then I go into the, I get out and I'm in the baggage claim area and I'm trying to figure out where am I gonna stay tonight? I pull up Priceline and I was like, what? As I look at the prices of hotel rooms and there's like hardly any availability. You wanna know who else was in Denver? Taylor Swift. Are you kidding me? So I decide not to spend $1,000 on a hotel room for one night. 
And I'm trying to figure out what to do. I call Kyle, I wake him up. It's midnight back home and, and we have a short conversation. It wasn't that helpful because what's he gonna do? And so then uh, I just stand there for a little bit and then I just keep scrolling. I'm like, I've gotta be able to find a hotel room <laughs> that's close to the airport. I was able to find one. I'm not gonna tell you all those details by phone on. So I go stay overnight, come back to the airport the next morning and I get on my flight and I'm like, okay, I'll be in Jamestown by noon. My family will come pick me up. So I get on the first leg and we're headed to Devil's Lake and we're probably about 45 minutes to an hour in and the pilot comes on and it's right about the time where they say, okay, power down everything, get ready to land, all of that. And the pilot says, there is a mechanical issue in the cockpit and we have turned the plane around and we're headed back to Denver. If I had had any training in parachuting, I would have opened the exit, emergency exit, and just found my way home. Because we would have been over North Dakota, so I just would have landed somewhere in North Dakota. Like, and then family could have come pick me up. Go back to Denver, sit in the airport half an hour, get back on the next, uh, get on the next flight, get to Devil's Lake, get to Jamestown, my family picks me up, get big hugs and all of that uh, several hours later. What's the point of the plane story? The point of the plane story is this, that if friends are final destination, if our, if our destination of our life here on earth as followers of Jesus, before we get to go meet Jesus in heaven, if, if our purpose is to, is to find wholeness in our walk with him, to find freedom and security, and our destination to live our full purpose that Jesus has for us that we can only do when we are whole and full and filled with freedom. If that's our destination, friends, you and I will never reach that destination without connection. Without connection to God and connection to others. Because when I miss my connecting flight, it was a debacle what happened after that. It was a ripple effect what happened after that. See, without connection, we cannot make it to our destination. If you don't deal with your pain, your pain will deal with you by keeping you on a continual loop of returning back to Denver, returning back to your past, returning back to that relationship, Returning back to that situation. Returning back to that behavior. Until you deal with your pain, there is no room to be whole. And so the answer, friends, in dealing with our pain is to grieve it. And to grieve it in connection with God and connection with others. And so that's what we're gonna spend the last moments and the last several minutes of our time together is we're gonna participate in communion. And as we enter into this time, communion is a spiritual practice that draws us near to Jesus. If you're watching online, you can grab bread or crackers and juice and participate with us. Communion is our desire for union and connection with God. It's receiving his sacrifice, that he gave his life so we could have life. 
It's realizing that he shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sin. And so there is no sin too bad that separates us from God. And that through the forgiveness of our sins, we can be made whole. And so at Prairie Heights, we always use non-alcoholic grape juice. You do not need to be a member of Prairie Heights to participate. You're invited to receive communion if you're a follower of Jesus. If anyone needs gluten-free option, raise your hand right now and keep it up and Usher will come and bring you a gluten-free option. And so as you get ready to receive communion, you can do that at any point. Heather and Eric are gonna sing a song and you can receive communion at your own time. And here's what I want for you in this time. Some of you have been carrying a lot of pain and a lot of hurt and a lot of disappointment for a lot of years and I wanna give you permission to grieve it right here, right now. You can cry, you can weep. There's Kleenexes along the rows. You can just sit with it, you can be angry. If you're a first responder, I can't fathom the amount of things that you see over a length of time. The amount of things that you have to hold and keep together. And I wanna give you permission to be human and be a child of God in this moment and to feel it. Feel the pain, feel the anger, feel the sadness and grieve it. To willingly step into grieving it through a connection with God and through a connection with the church family. And so I pray Right now, you can close your eyes. I pray, God, that you would meet us in this moment, that Jesus, you would draw near to our hearts and that you would help us as we bring our pain and hurt and disappointment to the forefront. And Jesus, we trust you and we love you. And we know that you wanna make all things for your good. And so would you help us to process that? And would you be there with us and for us? And we're gonna trust that. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'm gonna come up right after this song. So let's connect with God.
Thank you for listening. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to Prairie Heights. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit prairieheights.com give for more information. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or even take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tag us at Prairie Heights. Thanks for listening and God bless.